here on Let's Sexplore It. I am Rachel Shear, your host, and we have a very special guest with us, Sam Boy, today. But before I introduce him, I just want to let everyone know that I just wrote a book on dating called Date to Find Your Soulmate, which is on Amazon February 2nd, so be sure to check it out. And you can go to my website, lovelaughleisure.com, if you're interested in relationship coaching, whether you're single or dating or in a, an exclusive relationship, I can help you with whatever issues you have. So on Let's Explore It today, we have Sam Boy. Thank you so much for being here, Sam. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, all, uh, first of all, for having me. Uh, yeah, I go by Sam Boy. I am just a you know regular you know working person. I do a podcast as well, uh, where I talk about you know uh, life, philosophy, culture, politics, and whatnot. I'm not an expert in any one particular thing. I don't pretend to be. I'm just somebody who's curious um, about the world and about other people and how people think. All right, great. So for our topic of sex. What do you have for us today? So the topic I wanted to talk about today is, it's, it's kind of funny, it actually it can be seen as a way of uh, almost being like anti-sex, uh, but it is centered around incels. Um, incels, as many people may or may not know, is, uh, stands for involuntary celibate. And it describes a person whom, uh, by no fault of their own, um, are not able to have a fulfilling romantic or sexual life. And this subculture has become very popular on the internet in the last decade. Um, it's been inspired in many different ways. And it is, even though it's been occupied primarily by uh, disaffected men, younger men, it is actually a term that was created uh, by a woman, um, I believe in the, in the 2000s or so, uh, who was describing her own difficulties in finding uh, satisfactory romantic and sexual partners. Okay, so... Are you, are you focusing on that because you have experience with it yourself? Uh, I mean, I've never considered myself an incel. I'm, you know, I'm not a young man anymore, but there was definitely, you know, I think many people uh, throughout their lives, men and women find difficulties in, you know, discovering themselves, being, being com to, uh, more comfortable with their bodies, with their sexuality, different experiences, and just learning how to engage with others. Uh, so in a way, I guess you could say that, yes, did I go through that as a, as a, a stage, not so much being an insult, but having that difficulties, but in finding a way to be more satisfied uh, romantically and sexually, I would say. Um, so I guess you could say it was just a stage for me. Okay. And what did you learn from that experience? Uh, so I learned that it's a lot of people who, and, I'll, and I'm going to primarily say men just because uh, it seems to overwhelmingly be something that men get riled up for and, and make the most you know, noise about and make, you know, have very negative reactions towards. Um, but I would say that the mentality of being incel, uh, as it were, and, and another thing is that now this isn't something new, obviously, uh, you know, uh, uh, I forget the exact term, but, you know, somebody lusting for somebody that they can't have or these, you know, tales of trying to persuade somebody uh, to fall in love with you or seeking romantic interests that don't work out or yada yada. That is, you know, that's a classic tale of human interaction. Uh, nothing new. But what makes this unique is how people who fall into this uh, mentality take it and wear it and try to flip it into a badge of honor. Um, that there is something not wrong with themselves 
because of this situation, but it's that everybody else is impure, that everybody else has, you know, become too frivolous in the way that they give their bodies or show off their bodies or the way that they engage with one another. So I would say that for a lot of people who fall into this mentality, what I learned, one of the first things I observed is it is a self-loathing mentality. Uh, it is a mentality that doesn't make the person truly reflect on the ways in which maybe they are not living up to, you know, maybe certain expectations that they hold uh, to others. Uh, there's an imbalance in what they expect from, from others and what they are themselves willing to offer. Um, I would say, I could, and, I, and the thing is, I could definitely say that when I was younger, uh, there was definitely a one-sided, you know, definitely one-sidedness. And I would just say that that comes from, you know, a lack of experience and needing to get more feedback from others. Um, it's just that not everybody is receptive to that feedback. Um, some people lash out in a very negative way. So I would say that was probably the first thing. And that people who fall down this pathway of becoming an incel is not something that they it's not something that you usually just dive into straightforward, like, oh, you got shunned, of, you know, somebody blew you off or somebody didn't give you their number or whatnot. And then you immediately just like, oh, I hate, you know, I hate all women or I, you know, all men are dogs or whatnot. It usually comes from in stages. So towards the, around the 2010s, there was a much smaller subculture occurring on the internet called, that was referred to as MGTOW, M-G-T-O-W, men, go men going their own way. And it was kind of a precursor to the incels in that it was encouraging men to take a step back and really look at dating and romance in a different light. Uh, a lot of the dating apps were starting to become more popular. Online dating was becoming much more mainstream. And so this was just one of the many ways, philosophies, you could, I guess you could say, um, in which people, men primarily, were you know, trying to make themselves fit into the situation. And it was just about, it really what it came down to was, was you know, little stuff like, oh, should you always pay? Questioning just different, you know, nor established norms. Like, oh, should men always be paying on the first date or is it better to go, you know, Dutch, stuff like that. Um, questions about chivalry, you know, how much do you want to, you know, adhere to it versus, ad you know, not adhere to it. Um, you know, and kind of smaller things like that, which, you know, are, which themselves could be like healthy questions of just saying like, hey, how much do I really want to offer? How much do I really want to push myself in trying to find more romantic or sexual prospects? You know, and I think that I think that everybody should be able to ask those type of questions, um, you know, as they're developing an understanding of what they of what they want and what they have to offer. Um, but what happened is, are you familiar with Gamergate? No, I'm not. So Gamergate was a phenomena that happened um, where a woman game designer, she created a game. Right. And I, I believe it was based around um, self-harm. Right. And it was less of a game and more just exploration of the mentality. Long story short, it ended up getting a bunch of reviews, positive reviews in gaming publications. And it was really strange because it seemed to come out of nowhere and there wasn't really a lot of precedent for why it would get that much praise and whatnot, notoriety. Come to find out um, that they, this person may have uh, looked like they had romantic uh, uh, you know, run-ins with some of the, you know, people who, the journalists and whatnot, right? This caused a big, a bigger kerfuffle than it should have been. It went from just going past uh, journalistic integrity to really just saying like, oh, uh, this woman, she's using the, she's supposed to be a feminist or whatever, but she's using the same advantages that, that women in all other 
facets of life. She's just using her body to get ahead. You know, that very negative stereotype, right? And it ended up being a precursor to um, a huge online uh, backlash against feminism, against, uh, you know, people called uh, SJWs or social justice warriors. And, you know, later becomes this thing that becomes, you know, much more political. I know this is supposed to be steering much more towards sex, but this, that's what it would end up is snowballing into. Um, so just kind of wrap that up is that that's one of the other things I observed is that people who fall down this pipeline of incel, it doesn't just stop there. It can become much more extreme, but that it doesn't even always start from a very extreme place. It can start from a very, a place that seems very, you know, normal, which is just how much when you go into the romantic dating place um, or excuse me, marketplace, uh, what is it you're willing to offer? What are your expectations? And just being real and pragmatic about that. And then it just becomes something, you know, much more, much more negative and destructive. Yeah. So um, can you ex tell the audience again, what is the definition of an incel? Incel, again, incel, excuse me, uh, stands for involuntary celibate. So, you know, somebody who is celibate, um, supposedly by no means of themselves, they are just not able to find uh, satisfactory romantic or sexual partners. So when you say involuntarily celibate, does that mean that they don't do anything for themselves? They don't pleasure themselves either? You know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's really interesting because there's also a phenomenon, a subcultural movement called NoFap, um, I, I believe November. Uh, FAP is a, is, a, is a euphemism or a slang term for masturbation. Um, and it is a challenge that has also, again, come from as an extension of the MGTOW movement and uh, incel and whatnot. I see all this stuff is connected and kind of branches off um, of this is how you challenge yourself to not just fall to your, to your desires, that you should deny yourself even the pleasure of masturbation because that is you, excuse me, that is you um, feeding into your basic instincts and falling for the trap of the honeypot of, you know, you're seeing somebody attractive or you, you know, just, just your natural, your natural human, you know, functions and whatnot, that somehow overriding that and denying yourself that puts you at a higher plateau. That's the mentality. And so about the whole involuntary thing is that when you dive deeper into it, you realize that no, there's definitely some things that you're doing that are you're repressed that they are definitely repressing themselves in certain way. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, you deny yourself, you know, masturbation or you start to care less about your grooming, you start to care less about your uh, you know, persuading others and you just become much more forceful and and pinning uh, somebody's either liking you and being righteous or not liking you and being unrighteous and becomes something much deeper, uh, it becomes a morality play. As, as opposed to just you, you know, not being compatible with certain people. So the, um, the no masturbation, that's for November or is that for oh. as long as well, that is, Yeah, that's kind of, so that is like a, um, I guess like a challenge, the NoFab challenge, it come, it's been coming around for, for, you know, whatever, but just the, uh, the NoFap in general is just a thing that has, uh, uh, it's, just, it's just one of those underlying currents you know, where you're running to some people who are just like, no, they will deny themselves that because they feel that they are, uh, you know, again, that morality play. They feel as if there's something deeper going on besides them just repressing their own, you know, sexuality. And then also on a positive note, some have said that this is a way for them to curtail uh, addiction to pornography. Uh, 
you know, to addiction to online pornography um, or any other type of, you know, sexual activities they may engage in where they're not present with another person. Um, so that could be one positive, you know, interpretation of it. But the majority one that I've seen is that, you know, denying themselves, you know what I'm saying, uh, this natural bodily, you know, human function um, as a means of pinning themselves as being better, better than others, being more pure than others. So Sam, since you are familiar with all of these different terms, have you tried all of them? Like, are you a proponent of, of all of these different ways of life? Oh, no, not, I mean, not at all. I mean, I've, I've, like I said about the, the MGTOW thing, it's like there were, you know, recognizing, you know, certain positive elements of that, of just being critical about the world you're living in and thinking more about yourself and about others and whatnot, which that can be pretty healthy. But then, you know, me sitting back, cause you know, these are the spaces I'm on, I'm online all the time. I'm in the social media, in the social media. I also get out a lot. I just, I engage with a lot of people in general. Um, so I wouldn't, but I, I wouldn't say that, you know, stuff like, you know, stuff like, um, you know, no fab. If you feel that you have an addiction to online pornography or just an addiction to, to sex in general, um, if you feel like you have any type of sexual dysfunction where you're overdoing it, um, then yeah, absolutely. Anything that I feel that, that you feel is having negative effects on your life, you should, you know, say, take a step back and look at that. But going so far as to say, oh, I'm going to, uh, you know, no fab November, or excuse me, it's actually called uh, another more vulgar name is no nut November. Um, but I would not call myself a proponent of that, nor would I say that I'm a general proponent of pinning, you know, saying romantic and sexual uh, prospects and whatnot into this huge morality play. Um, you know, you know, you know, as I saw the developments from the MGTOW movement, and I'm paying attention to it and seeing it become much more toxic. Um, you know, I've had a lot of, of, you know, negative feelings about where it came from and really just being grateful that I had other experiences and other, you know, inputs of information that allowed me to, to not fall down that pathway, you know, because a lot of people, well, I don't want to go on along another rant. Did you have a, 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 another question that you wanted to ask or, or something up to that point? Well, yes, I wanted to know more about you. Mm -hmm. um, what, what brought you to have an interest in this and like, what's your, like, what's your experience with it? Like, do you have friends that practice this or like, what's your background with it? So, uh, as I said before, the term, you know, MGTOW came about, or at least I discovered it around, um, about 2009, 2010. And that was about, um, how old will I be? But I was about 19, 20. I graduated high school in 2007, and um, um, I'm 31 years old now. And up to that point, I hadn't had, uh, I was a late bloomer. I didn't have any relationships, uh, very little sexual activity and whatnot. And while there was definitely that frustration there, um, I didn't have this, you know, strong, you know, anger, but there was this, you know, lack of what to do next you know, uh, of how do I court somebody or what being real with myself and saying, okay, what are the things about me that really are appealing? Could I make myself more appealing? Um, should I try to make myself more appealing in this way or that way? And, and just, you know, it was really just kind of fumbling around in the dark and, you know, being very naive. Um, it's like I had, you know, it's, 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 I had plenty of, you know, you could say women in my life to different respects. I could, I've, you know, worked with women. 
I uh, got along with the women in my family for the most part, uh, you know, plenty of women friends. So I didn't have this, you know, general like hatred and disgust and very myopic view of womankind. It just, when it came to romance and sexual encounters, uh, I was just very naive and experienced and didn't really have a lot of uh, instruction on how to go. So when I discovered the MGTOW, you know, kind of, you know, philosophy that was, you know, online community, it was making me ask a lot of questions about myself and about society that I hadn't been, that nobody had actually posted me or nobody had actually, you know, confronted me with. And it was, it was very positive. And, you know, this wasn't the only source. I'm still, you know, actually trying to go out on dates. I still have friends. I'm still, you know, in school and in work and engaging with people. So this isn't the only place I'm gaining insights. Um, but as I'm gaining these insights, uh, you know, there were some positive, you know, developments that came from it and being real of like, because here's one thing that messes up, especially a lot of men don't understand is we get taught this fantasy that if you reach a certain threshold of, you know, I guess if you hit certain marks, right, then you should be able to, you know, date any prospect that you want. You know, that, that if you have the right gift of gab or if your clothes are looking right or if you have this and that together, then you shouldn't have a problem going to find getting any woman that you desire. And but what you're not considering is compatibility. That's a lot of things that a lot of dudes, and I can say that for myself as well, have a problem uh, dealing with acknowledging the fact that, hey, you may be great. You may be, you know, doing everything, you know, to the to the, you know, hitting all your marks and everything. But that is not what's compatible for somebody else. And through the MGTOW philosophy in this community and whatnot. That was a question that we posed to ourselves and it was just like damn that was it's like no it's like really getting real and, and and saying like hey don't make this about you don't make this about them it's just hey some people are compatible in certain ways and some people aren't you know saying simple as that um you know to me that was a very healthy you know some development uh, you know from that and in that time you know uh, uh i get less i've gotten less and less advice you could say insights from the internet in that respect and I've had more, you know what I'm saying, romantic and sexual encounters and, you know, positive, you know what I'm saying, relationships and engage, you know, encounters in that respect. So I'm able to actually just talk about, you know, I, I, so in that respect, as I've gotten older, been able to just go off my own experience and the insights I've gotten from there. Um, the problem with the incels and whatnot, though, are people who have stayed in that and that are like still my age or older is they never got past that stage. They, they've, they've basically been stuck in this perpetual state of just like, oh, well, I guess, you know, I guess I'm just kind of stuck and there's nothing I can really do. When in fact, there are things that you can do uh, that maybe you're just not willing to, to actually think critically about, uh, whether it's being critical about yourself or just being more pragmatic about the way society is and the way people, you know, operate. Do you know if there's a correlation between incels and asexuality? I have no idea. I don't know too much about asexuality um, and I'm not aware of any type of data or studies or surveys that have been done on the correlation of those two. Um, but just to, uh, uh, to almost talk about the, the, the political thing again is that to underscore the fact that when I do see the, when I do see people talking about asexuality, oftentimes it seems to be coming from somebody who would be considered in a more liberal or left wing space. Uh, cultural political space. And when I see terms like uh, incel or no faf November, um, you know, MGTOW type stuff, it definitely leans closer to uh, being right wing or conservative. Um, so just to throw that out there, but I'm not aware of any other type of correlations or studies or data on um, um, of those two communities. 
Okay, so there is a possibility that they're similar, but it's based on your political background. Right. Well, I would say I would say less that it's it's I would say less that it's um, it comes from your political background, but it does um, but it does reflect your general outlook on things. So you know, one of the things that they mentioned, <clears throat> one of the longer studies or longer um, acknowledged, I guess, studies done on people's political and cultural associations is that people who are more conservative tend to be uh, well. It's in the name; they want to conserve things, right? They're less uh, adapt. They're less um, uh, ah, what's the term I'm looking for? They're less likely to change. They're less likely to look at things in a new way or recognize that, hey, maybe I need to be more fluid. Um, you know, maybe I'm the bad guy here. Maybe I'm in the wrong. Whereas people who tend to be more on the liberal or progressive side tend to think, no, maybe it's within me. Maybe I need to change my outlook and be more permissive of, of things as they are. Um, so I think it's more so of like your general outlook and your general outlook and I, and I guess to a certain degree, however your brain is wired and what is, you know, influenced the way that your you know, brain is, used, you know, making associations, um, that it leads you to accepting, you know, look, it, it leads you to accepting the explanations of asexuality versus incel, um, you know, philosophy, I guess you could say. Okay, so where are you now in life? What's your, what's your sexual expression oh. what do you do do you do you date or do you try to stay celibate or tell me about you so i would say so as i mentioned i've been a, i was a late bloomer until uh, about 20 and you know you know this sputs and starts right you know there there's there's uh different experiences but i guess the rap you know overall i would say that um even though i do have romantic partners right now there's a covid lockdown um, you know, and everything. And I am trying to be considerate of that. Um, so it has been, you know, trying to lean more into the celibate side, uh, but it's not necessarily uh, because I have to. Um, but I would say that since that time of kind of breaking through that barrier, um, it's like anything else. The more that you do something, the more dates you go on, the more encounters that you have, uh, the better that you get. You learn what to do and what not to do. Um, you know, hopefully you become you know, much more uh, satisfied and give better experiences to your partners. And, you know, and I've always been a person that was, you know, liberal or left-leaning or progressive or whatnot, and, you know, somewhere in that space. Um, so that's why, again, when I started to see the developments of the incels and whatnot, I was like, I was very much just kind of, just kind of like looking and, and with, 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 with fright, I was scared because I was seeing where the shit could possibly go. You know, I was, I was, seeing myself as like, oh, this is just the natural development of, yeah, you kind of have this period where you're shy and inexperienced and kind of, you know, start and stop or whatnot, but that it is, you know, I've been able to find a consistent, uh, um, you know, string of romantic or sexual interests. And, you know, anytime I wanted to take a break, I could do that. Um, but I've never had to, since then, I haven't had to for very long. Okay, great. And for people that think of themselves as incels, do you have any recommendations for them? Yes, I would say that I would <laughs> I would say that you know life is very challenging, and it is nobody enjoys being excuse me nobody enjoys being denied something that they want basically, but it is a fact of life that you have to deal with. 
And you always have to be critical of not just what the world is offering or what other people are offering, but what you yourself are offering. And that if we, and that if your mindset is to look at, you know, every facet of life or they, you know, or the, or the uh, romantic dating place or marketplace, excuse me, the dating marketplace. Um, if you're going to look at things in those kind of terms, then you have to say, okay, what are the assets and liabilities to use the financial terms? What are the assets and liabilities that I'm bringing instead of just saying, oh, I want this. I want, you know, say my partner to be the, you know, blah, 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 blah. So it's like, not, don't just think about what the world is offering or what other people are offering to you. Think about what it is that you're offering and, and if it's actually compatible with what each other is looking for. Because each person, you know, any two people could be great, you know what I'm saying, all around in their lives. But you get together with the wrong person and it's just a disaster from beginning to end. Um, you know, yes, somebody may deny you for a very superficial or shallow reason or for misinterpreting you. And, you know, maybe you will be able to turn them around or maybe not, but it shouldn't be something that you get hung up on. Um, you know, and if you're, and especially if you're somebody, I live in a place that, that I live in Southern California in a popular city. Um, so there's always, you know, people around, there's no shortage of people. But if you're somebody who lives in a, area that has less traffic, less people in it, I would say that, um, you know, I would say that unless you're going to move, then you really need to uh, put your expectations in check. Um, you know, because, you know, you know, the end of it is you can't be with everybody, you can only be, you know, with so many people. And, you know, if you're going to stay in one place, you're just going to have to take, you know, uh, what can be offered and learn to shape your own expectations and mindset about around being satisfied with that. Um, but, and again, to a certain degree, that's all bonds and all relationships. Um, but it's just, yeah, don't make it into a grand morality play. Just look at it as, okay, there's compatibility. There's different assets and liabilities that I have and that other people are offering. And that uh, I should always be, you should always be looking for ways to improve the way that you engage with others and the way you look at yourself without making it toxic for any one party. Yes. Yes, thank you. And in my book, I talk about that, how it's really important to know who you are and what type of person you want to attract. And I talk a lot about compatibility because that's very important. You need to be fully compatible with someone, even if you find the perfect person, they could be like, like that, the ideal person that anyone would want to date, but it might not be the perfect person for you. Mm -hmm. So it's important to know yourself and know what type of person is compatible for you. So thank you so much for being with us today, Sam. Do you have any final words of wisdom before we end the podcast? No, I would just say to anybody, you know, who is struggling out there with the way that you relate to others, um, whether it is just in the romantic or sexual domain or just any domain, um, you know, as corny as it sounds, uh, all we have is, you know, one another human, you know, our fellow humankind. That doesn't mean you're going to get along with every other human being that you come across. Um, but finding a way to make all of these different human bonds, you know, uh, productive and enjoyable, uh, because at the end of the day, that is what's going to drive, you know, most of, you know, our inner, most that's going to drive uh, most of our worldview, our values, and partially the way that we see ourselves. Uh, so just be very mindful of, you know, those you keep in your company and try to, you know, uh, show, you know, show that they have value in your life and be valuable uh, in their lives.
Okay, thank you so much. And one last time, um, I have a book coming out soon, Date to Find Your Soulmate. It's on Amazon February 2nd. And check out my website, lovelaughleisure.com for relationship advice. And I have an eight-week coaching course if you are single and looking to find the love of your life. I can help you with that. So thanks for being with us today, Sam. And thank you to our listeners. This is Let's Explore It. And I am your host, Rachel Shear. All right. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs>